So today I want to talk about anger. And let's look at anger this morning. Because anger is something we all have to deal with. Look at your neighbor and say, I know you deal with anger. And look at your other neighbor and say, I know you deal with anger too. Don't try to hide it. But anger, like any other thing, is, is very easy to justify and rationalize. And basically, we go around telling people, well, if you didn't act like this, then I wouldn't have lost my cool. If this didn't happen, then I wouldn't have blew up. Come on, you ever make those statements? I'm, have you ever said this one? Well, I'm just a hothead. That's the way God made me. That's just how I deal with stuff. Sound familiar? We make a lot of excuses to, to cover up our anger. We make a lot of things, a lot of excuses to justify anger. But today I want to show you and teach you about anger and that anger isn't always wrong. <laughs> anger isn't always sin. The Bible actually says there's two kinds of anger. There's a sanctified anger and then there's a sinful anger. And we're going to talk about both of them this morning. And so hang on. Because you're going to walk out of here today knowing the difference between the two kinds of anger. And hopefully you leave out here with a, a good flame burning in you. And you're ready to go out and do something. So I want you to understand that not all, un, all anger leads to wrong results. In fact, just to feel anger isn't necessarily sin. Just because you feel angry doesn't necessarily mean that you've sinned. Anger becomes sin when it's handled wrong. Anger becomes sin when it gets loose. <laughs> Come on, you, mamas, you know, what I, you know what you've told your kids before. Look, don't make me. I brought you into this world, I'll. Okay, y'all said that one before. Don't make me take you out. I'll send you ahead. But just because you feel anger doesn't mean that it's sin. It becomes sin when it comes out and it's wrong. There's a verse in the Bible, and I want you to understand something, that God's willing to help us with the issue of anger if we'll ask him and if we'll reach out to him. Ephesians 4, chapter 4, verse 26 to 27 says this. It says, in your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry and do not give the devil a foothold. This is an incredible verse. I could stop right here and preach the whole message on this one verse. Watch what Paul says. In your anger, do not sin. That means when you're angry... Don't sin. That means you can be angry and not sin. Come on. So in your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. This is super important. I learned this from my pastor several years ago, that anytime there's an issue and he's feeling anger in his heart, he does his best to handle it literally before the sun goes down. Because he understands that I'm not sleeping tonight if I'm angry. If there's a problem with me and one of my friends, I'm not going to sleep. There's not going to be peace in my life until I go and handle the situation and settle the situation. So Paul's given us a very stern warning. He says, and do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. So watch this. This is what has to happen. When you become angry, and it's going to happen to every one of us, especially since you heard this message. <laughs> Monday's coming. <laughs> when anger rises up inside of you, 
Somebody does you something wrong. Somebody says something to you wrong. Somebody responds to you the the wrong way or whatever it is. And anger starts to rise up inside of you. You still have a choice to do something with that anger. And Paul said you need to deal with it before the sun goes down. In other words, don't let anger stew, marinate in your heart. You seeing this? Go and deal with it. As quickly as possible. And God's way of dealing with it is God wants you to take these feelings of anger and he just wants you to come to him with it. Can we just do that? Can we just say, when, when we get angry, can we just process it with God? Lord, I mean, listen, this is how you process it. This, or listen, this is how I process it with God. I don't know if I'm right or wrong. It just works for me. When I get angry and I'm able to control it, because we'll get into a little bit later how sometimes you can't control it. But when I'm able to control it and I process it, it usually goes like, Lord, they made me mad. Lord, that sap sucker said this about me. Listen, God's a big God. He heard you say it in your heart. <laughs> Tell him like it is. Lord, it hurts. Lord, that offended me. Right? And then start to process that with God. Talk it out with him. Let him give you a different perspective of that situation. And then you go to that person before the sun goes down, if possible, and you settle the issue with them. Because if you just take these angry feelings and go straight to them, somebody going to blow. And it's not going to be good. How you know, Pastor, because I messed up more than I got it right. Right? Right? So he wants us to deal with it. And then at the very end, he says, and do not give the devil a foothold. I think this is the best part of the whole message, the whole verse right here. He says, and do not give the devil a foothold. So watch this. If you don't process your anger with God and then process your anger with people, the devil gets a foothold on you. Let me teach you about the word foothold. In the Greek, it means topos. Which literally means, in its most literal meaning, it means a room. Don't give the devil a room. In other words, don't give the devil a guest room in your heart. Because when you don't deal with anger, you kick the door open and he comes and goes like he pleases. Am I talking to somebody this morning? Don't give him a guest room. Kick him out. No vacancy. You can't come back anymore because I'm going to deal with anger when it comes up inside of me. Refuse to let him come and have room in your heart. You know what that means? That means that you got to take your relationship serious. Nobody's going to offend you like the people closest to you. That's why you need to be confident in your relationships. Can somebody come to you and say something to you? If it's correction or direction or instruction or something like that. And you not get mad and angry. Are you that secure in the relationship that you don't have to get angry instantly? So don't give him a guest room. Kick him out. Don't let anger live unchecked and unguarded without bringing it to God and asking him to help you with it. Listen to me. Look at me. Everybody look at me. God wants to help you with this. He wants to help me with this. This is a big one for me. I hated tackling this issue this week because it's my issue. 
Since I met Pastor Bubba, the thing that he's dealt with me the most about has been anger. I want to show you a story in the Old Testament. The story of Cain and Abel. Many of you have heard that story, but it's a story of, of two sons and, and, and they were, uh, it was two brothers and they were, they were getting ready to give God an offering. And in Genesis chapter 4, 6 and 7, it says this. Then the Lord said to Cain, why are you so angry? Why is your face downcast? If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do what is wrong, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must rule over it. Watch this now. Sin is crouching at your door. When anger comes up inside of you, sin comes up, takes its position, and it's ready. It's crouching. You know what crouching means? Crouching means it means it's, it's in a ready, ready position to get you to pop. So when anger comes up, if you, the longer you don't deal with it, the longer the enemy sits right there crouching at your door. And what's he trying to do? He's trying to get you to pop. He wants you to release the beast, baby. Come on. You know who you are. Brah! He wants you to either explode, watch this, or suppress. So when we don't deal with anger quickly, the enemy's crouching at the door. Are you seeing this? Look at your neighbor and say, somebody outside your door. <laughs> Somebody's crouching outside your door. Sin's crouching at the door. Don't give the devil a guest room. Kick him out and go settle your issues so when he's crouching by the door, you can walk out the door and kick him in the teeth. Pow, get out of here, Right? That wasn't real manly, but this the best I got this morning. But here's the thing is we all have a choice to do what is right or wrong. Amen. Say, I have a choice. I have a choice to do what is right or what is wrong. I'm not helpless in this situation. These sins we're talking about for four weeks, we're not helpless in this. So ways to handle. Let's talk about some wrong ways to handle Anger. I want to talk to you about spewers and stewers. <laughs> and you know who you are. When I said it, you went, mm, that's me. Maybe your husband nudged you, said, mm-hmm, that's you. Spewers and stewers, because there's two, ty- two different kinds of people that handle anger. Let's talk about spewers first. Hi, my name is Jamie. I'm a spewer. It don't stay inside, y'all. I wish it did, but it don't. And when it comes out, I hate it. But it comes out sometimes. In fact, I was writing this message on Monday or Tuesday. And I was at home that day writing the message. And my son and my cousin took my tractor to the cattle lease to go check on something. And they, they brought my tractor back on a trailer. And so I come outside, hey, y'all, y'all did okay? Everything's all right? Yeah, yeah, everything's good. Uh, and I could tell the look on their face, something happened. I mean, I'm like in the middle of writing a message on anger. And I walk out on the back porch, and they, they broke the third glass on my tractor in two weeks. It's a John Deere. They're expensive. I wanted to spew. Can I tell you? I was like, oh, God. Oh. 
I probably look like Kramer. I was like, Lord, help me. Oh, so everything went okay at the least. I felt like running. I was like, man, I'm about to spew. My son says I got angry. I don't think I got angry. I was holding back. I'm like, bro, these stallions were ready to run. I was holding them back. You just don't know what it took to hold them back. You don't know what my anger could have been. You think that's it? I'll show you my anger. <laughs> feel better already. Spewers express their anger, and that's a very nice way of saying it, right? Few spewers express their anger. As soon as they feel it, right, it comes out. Come on, how many spewers we got in here this morning? Let's just get real honest. You ain't all that holy. Spewers, we got some spewers up here. I'm feeling at home already. Spewers explode. Spewers let it come out. I look at spewers like a military guy with a flamethrower, baby. I mean, come on, when it rises up, everything gets singed. Right? Here's the crazy thing. The way I was raised, I was raised with no stewards except for my grandmother. My grandmother was the only steward I knew. The rest of my family were spewers. And you knew when you was, you was about to get it. Right? And man, I got it. A lot. And what's sad to say is that when I spew on other people, I can hear them spewing on me still. Does that make sense? When you spew your anger, you're doing collateral damage. I've spent the last three or four years crying out to God to help me with my anger. Long before we got to this message, I knew it was wrong. I'd lose my temper, lose my cool, say things I didn't mean to say, but I said them. And I've been like, God, help me. Help me, Lord. Help me not just to hold it in. Help me to process it. Help me to calm down, process it with you, and then process it with them. That's the process. Come on, somebody. Process it with God and then process it with the person. Proverbs 29, 11 says that fools vent their anger. <laughs> They're like an exhaust vent. But the wise quickly, what? Hold it back. Now watch. He didn't say they hold it in. He said they hold it back. Come on now. The wise hold their anger back. The fool <laughs> releases the beast. He didn't say hold it in. He said to hold it back. Proverbs fourteen seventeen says, a quick-tempered person does foolish things. Come on, somebody. A quick temper. We do foolish things. You ever punch something? I punched a cow one time. He hit me with his horn. I'm serious. I'm feeding. I'm like, I'm feeding you. And this sucker comes up behind me, got me right in the cheek, man. Just boom, hit me with his horn and it hurt. I turned around and went, bam. And I was like, oh, I broke a knuckle. Foolish. 
Don't punch a cow. Don't punch the door or the wall. You're going to have to fix it. A quick-tempered person does foolish things. So that's spewers. You feel better, spewers? Okay. The second one is stewers. If spewers explode or express their anger, then stewers suppress. Oh, man, we press it down deep, right? Come on, we start stacking layers. You see, when Cheryl and I first got married, I was actually a stewer. I didn't want to fight. I wanted to kiss, hug, and all those other things. I didn't want to fight. You don't fight with the person you're going to sleep with. Can I get a witness? At all costs. <laughs> but I would stew. And man, these things would just come in here and they would just start piling up. And every time she would do something I didn't like, or, or she'd say something, or not do what I expected her to do, I would you know, just pressing it down, pressing it down. And in about six to ten months, it had all it could take. And then here comes the fight, because remember, sin's crouching at the door, right? I was going to say, she called you a cuyon. <laughs> oh, that's it! <laughs> right? And then six to ten months worth of anger comes rolling out at one time, and she's going like, you serious? You're going ten months back? I'm like, oh, you're going to get it now. <laughs> Come on, my stewards. You hold it in. You see, a steward has an argument in their mind. They won't argue in, in, in public and they won't argue with somebody else, but they'll argue in their mind. You'll walk in on a steward. You'll come home. If your wife's a steward, you'll walk in and you'll be like, you'll see her, you'll be like, oh, snap. I should have stayed at work. Because they're over there like this. And how they shut the cabinet doors? Ba-dum. How they close the drawers? Ka-dum. How they put the dishes in the drawer? Ka-dum. And you're like, oh, God. I start praying. I'm like, Lord, let it be the kids. Not me. I can't take another one, Lord. You know I've been on a roll. Them kids need some heat, Lord. Come on, I'm serious. I'm like, Lord, you need to bring the. They young. No, they'll heal. <laughs> I'm like, let them get some of this heat, Lord. And she's over there like. You see, a steward's already had the argument in their mind. Come on, how many stewards I got this morning? Come on, raise your hand nice and high. Big smile on your face. Yeah, I know who you are. You pressing it down. In fact, you got some in there right now. And you're going, dang, I wish I'd have let that go before I came to church this morning. <laughs> but now you got to go do something with it after church. <laughs> and we got a baptismal set up. We, can, we do an extra dunk like for people with lots of anger. Stuff. Stewards have the argument in their mind. And can I just say it's not fair for you to not address an issue with somebody and hold it in until a later date? Can I tell you, that's not fair. Now, I'm not saying you need to all become spewers. No, 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 no. We all, spewers and stewers, need to learn how to process anger when it comes up. Say it's going to come up. It's going to come up, and when it comes up, what are you going to do with it? Are you going to process it with God and then process it with the person? Or are you going to file it away and hold it for a later day? Because here's the problem for stewards. You carry a lot of stuff with you. You really, a steward doesn't get to enjoy life because they're carrying all these files with them. 
They're carrying all this suppressed anger with them. And it's built up and it's, it's, like, it's, it's, it's like it's fermenting and it's building pressure and gases and, and it's going to blow. Look at your neighbors. It's going to blow. You might need to say, I know when you're going to blow. That's when I go to the camp. That's when I go hang out with the buddies. Psalms 32, three says this, listen to what David said. He said, when I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groanings all day long. You see, here's the problem. You were never designed to carry anger in your heart. God didn't build your heart to carry anger. It's not designed to carry anger. When you carry anger, I'll give you some other ones. Unforgiveness bitterness, maybe some wrath inside of you. You want to pay somebody back when you're carrying that in your heart. It's not designed to carry that. It's going to rot you away on the inside. God designed you to be in a relationship with him to where you can go to him and say, Lord, that hurt. Lord, they said something stupid and it hurt. Can you help me? Lord, Lord, I'm going to punch him in the face. I went to the guy one time and said, boy, you better, you better be grateful I gave my heart to Jesus because I'll knock you out right now. I spewed all over him. It wasn't, that wasn't good. I'm not saying use that example. I'm just saying that's what I said. You better be grateful. That's all I'm saying. But we weren't designed to carry all this with us. We were designed to process. How do we process? We process with God. Then we process with the person. Amen. We process with God, then we process with the person. I'll show you a New Testament example of this. You remember the story of the prodigal son? How many of you remember the story of the prodigal son? How many of you remember the part of the prodigal story about the older brother? Come on, the older brother, right? The prodigal son, I'll give you the quick rundown. Two sons come to their father. The youngest son says, you know what? Give me my inheritance. I'm ready to go. Father says, okay, splits everything in half, gives him his inheritance. He takes off, wasted on wild living. Then he's eating from a pig pen and he has this realization, even my father's servants are living better than I'm living now. Let me see if I can go get a job at my daddy's place. So he comes home just to get a job with his daddy, by which he finds his father coming, running to him. And the father robes him, puts sandals on him and puts a ring on his finger and reestablishes him in the family. And then he throws a party. When the Bible says it was a party, it was a party. You follow me? I mean, they like killed a whole cow. Like barrels of wine. Come on, some. I I was trying to trick you. (laughs) Bunch of sipping saints. And, And he throws this party and watch this. The older brother comes back from the fields and he goes, what's going on? And one of the servants says, man, you know, you your little brother came back. He goes, really? Well, what's all this partying for? <laughs> your dad, man, your dad ran and met him at the end of the driveway. And he, and he put a robe on him and some sandals and a ring on his finger. And, and he threw this big old party. Watch what it says in Luke chapter 15, verse 28. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. He couldn't celebrate 
his younger brother coming from the pit of hell back home because he didn't know how to steward the anger in his heart. He didn't know how to process it. He didn't know how to, how to work on it, how to deal with it. So because of that, he couldn't enjoy life, y'all. I mean, think about it. All of us know prodigals, right? All of us know people that are far from God. When they come back to God like you're praying for them to come back, are you going to have so much junk in your heart that you can't celebrate that? Or are you going to process that, have a clean, healthy heart, and when they come back, jump up in the party and celebrate? It'll keep you from celebrating for other people. The problem with anger is that it's not handled when it's not, if it's not handled correctly, it can quickly become sin. But you got to know that God's given us the ability to process our feelings with him. And he wants to guard your heart. He wants to help you guard your heart. Philippians 4, 6, and 7, it may not be in your notes, but it says this, be anxious for nothing, but in everything through prayer and supplication, let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God, say the peace of God. It surpasses all understanding, say all. It will guard your hearts and your minds. So don't hold it in. Whatever's making you anxious, bring it to God. Whatever's stirring you up, bring it to God. Let your request be made known to God. Lord, I want to kill him right now, Lord. But I need your help. Is this making sense? I need you, Lord. I ain't, I ain't doing good right now. I'm not feeling good, Lord. I need you. So what do we do with our anger? 15 times in the Bible, anger is used with the analogy of fire. Anytime the Bible would talk about fire, it would, or anger, it would talk about fire. So 15 times in the Bible, when the Bible talked about anger, it used the analogy or the example of fire. So if it uses the, the fire to describe anger, then we have to look at fire for a minute because you got to understand something about fire. Fire can be both bad and good, right? Fire can keep you warm at night. If you're caught in the jungle, fire can boil that nasty water in the river and, and it, can, it can save your life, literally. Fire can cook your meals. Fire can help you to see and help others to see you. Fire can be good. But at the same time, that same fire burn your house down. It'll take away your livelihood. It'll cause severe harm in you and even to the people around you. So fire can be both bad and good. Is it fair to say that fire can preserve and it can destroy? So two kinds of anger this morning. Here we go. The first one is sinful anger. And you got to, watch this, put it out. Say that with me. Say, put it out. You may need to stomp it. You may need to douse it. But sinful anger needs to be put out in your life. Got to deal with it. As believers, we need to be growing in the fruit of the spirit called self-control. Anger is something that we control. Anger is something that we can hold back. We've already learned that. Anger is something that you can have, but yet still not sin if you control it. 
Sinful anger has to be dealt with. We have to find a way to control it before it comes out or before it goes in. Proverbs 17, 14 says this. Starting a quarrel is like breaching a dam. So drop the matter before dispute breaks out. (laughs) Uses the analogy of a dam. There's a lot of pressure behind a dam. Amen? If there's a crack in the dam... That water is finding a way to come out. There's a lot of pressure with somebody who's angry. Come on. Starting quarrels is like breaching a dam. You ever see the YouTube video or maybe America's Funniest Home Video where the guy, the dad, you know the dad. He's in the short pants he ought not be wearing, the tank top he shouldn't be wearing, or muscle shirt he shouldn't be wearing. And he's going to go take down the old nasty swimming pool. Y'all ever seen that video? He's got his razor knife, and the pool's full of, like, this green, slimy water. And he runs up there, and he goes, boom, and it just burst. Sweeps him off his feet, and he ends up across the street. How many of you seen the video? Funny video the first time it came out. That's what it's like when you start a quarrel. Listen, you never know who you're picking a fight with. You ever said something silly to somebody, and they exploded on you? And you were like, Just joking, dude. (laughs) Sinful anger is like breaching a dam. Let me let me speak to this excuse for a second because some of you have used this too many times. I know I've used it too many times. This is just who I am. I'm just a hothead. Well, you know. I got this quick temper. How many of you have used that excuse before? You don't have to raise your hands, but you've used that excuse before. How many of you, you know what, you know what it's like to use that excuse? It's like to take anger like your baby. Go, Oh, this is my baby. Isn't he cute? Let me warn you. I'm a little quick tempered. It's just the way I deal with things. So y'all be careful around me. We're making excuses. We're justifying our anger. Anger is a learned behavior. It's something we learn. But it's also something we can control. When the other person cuts you off in traffic. Would you first consider what they may be going through? I had a guy, I got a story for this. Had a guy, I was, I was driving up, I mean, you know, going west on 190. I was in my, my truck, had the windows down. It was a nice day. I think it was like two, two springs ago or something. And I'm just trying, it was no big rush, laid back day, good mood. Everybody liked me. At least they acted like it. And I, I'm just rolling down 190 like, Lord, thank you for Eunice. You know, it's a great city, blah, blah, blah. And this cat comes up on side of me. I got the windows rolled down. Pretty day. This guy comes up on side of me in this Ford F-250 diesel. Got this big old tailpipe on the back. And he, he's passing by and he kind of looked at me and he went like, and I was like, what's up? I was like, nice truck. And I'm sitting there taking a nice truck. I said, I wouldn't have that big of a tailpipe. Man. Nice tires. I said, that's a nice truck. All of a sudden, this sucker floors it. They call it rolling coal. 
You ever see the black smoke come out of the diesel truck? Oh, this is for you older folks. I'm going to help you out some. They, they picking on you. And they laughing because that black smoke's rolling all over your car and you now got the windows down and you're trying to air your car because you got all this exhaust. This dude smoked me. I mean, it came in the truck. I was right there, right in front of the church. And everything in me wanted to chase that brother down and jerk him out the truck and teach him a lesson about proper driving skills. But by the grace of God, I held my anger back and I didn't roll up on side of him and tell him he was number one. I didn't do that. I held my anger back and I let him go. I might have prayed in tongues. Watch this. Two weeks later, I roll up the church. Guess what's sitting in the parking lot? Ford F-250, big old tailpipe. I'm like, mm. Prayed in tongues some more, parked my car, came in, and I saw the dude sitting right there. <sighs> you want to know what I thought? I'm sure glad I didn't roll up on side of him and say something stupid. I'm sure glad I didn't show him he was number one. I'm sure glad I acted like a pastor. I mean, it would have been all bad. It was in front of the church. The guy would have showed up to church in two weeks. I, I would have, I'd have had to like quit the ministry or something. He smoked me. I actually told that story one Sunday while he was here. And he goes, hey, boss, that was me. I lied to him. And I let him off the hook. No, I wasn't you. Can I tell you what I wanted to say? <laughs> I best not. <laughs> but we got to be willing to give people the benefit of the doubt. Because listen to me, you never know what somebody's walking through. Can I just tell you, I've blown it in this area. Man, sometimes I get so focused on the task. I'll go up to people and say, hey, I need you to do this. I need you to do that. And I'll just run right over them and not ever consider what they may be going through. And I'm asking God to help me. I'm like, Lord, help me to be more sensitive to other people's feelings. Help me to consider what other people may be going through. Don't get me wrong. There's some jerks out there. But sometimes there's some people really hurting and really in a desperate spot. And they don't know how to respond. The Bible says many times that God is slow to anger. James 1, 19 and verse 20 says this. Everyone should be quick to listen Slow to speak and slow to become angry because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Slow to speak, slow to, slow to become angry, quick to listen. That's James's instructions to us, because listen to me, when you blow it, you don't accomplish anything. And you definitely don't accomplish the purposes of God, Right? So let's shift gears this morning. That's sinful anger. You need to douse it. You need to put it out, stomp it, do whatever you need to do to get rid of it. Process it with God and process it with people. Don't let the enemy have a guest room in your heart. Come on. He's crouching at your door. Here's the second anger. Sanctified anger. Sanctified anger. And we need to learn to fan it into flame. 
You know, there's, there's a sinful anger and then there's a sanctified anger. There's, we, we call it a righteous anger. It's the kind of anger that Jesus had. It's the kind of anger that God has. It's a righteous anger. It's an anger that's aimed towards good things. Is it making sense? So this one we call righteous anger. So if, if this was fire, if this anger was a fire, this is the kind of fire that helps people. This is the kind of fire that preserves life. Righteous anger is that kind of fire. Righteous anger can preserve life. Righteous anger can walk into a death situation and bring out life. I need you to fan into flame some righteous anger today. Because let me look at, look at me real quick. Most of the people in the church... Are riding the bench. You're riding the bench. Can I just say that very nicely? You're riding the bench. Does that feel better? You're riding the bench. You're only angry when it's sinful anger. And you're not acting out on righteous anger. Let me show you what righteous anger looks like. There's a spot in my heart. For single moms. There's a spot in my heart for kids today. More than ever today. For children. Children that aren't being raised right. Children that are just being fed and sent off to school. Children that are not being cared for. Children that are being abused and taken advantage of and nobody's helping them. There's something in my heart that's burning It's burning for these kids. And the cry of my heart today is, if the church don't learn how to pastor the next generation, who's going to pastor them? Who's going to parent them? And that's the cry of my heart. And that's the righteous anger that lives inside of me. I work with kids at Highlands. There's some of their parents. Honestly, I want to go to their house and skull drag them out the house, throw them in the parking lot and say, you need to go get some help because we taking care of your kids. That's not righteous anger. I flip switches. But that's what's burning inside of me. I want to do something about it. Amen. That's righteous. Righteous anger preserves life. Righteous anger creates life. You can be angry and not sin. But the problem is, is most of the church is riding the bench. Maybe you didn't know. I'll give you that. I'll give you that easy one today. Maybe you didn't know. But you know today, what's burning in your heart? Come on, let's get real this morning. What's burning in your heart? What injustice in this world stirs you up? What is it that when it comes up on the TV, you turn your head because you can't see it? What's burning in your heart? Because whatever that is, chances are that's what God's called you to. And you need to fan in the flame some righteous anger. The kind of anger to get you off your behind and get you out doing something about the situation. I don't know where to start. Start somewhere. Do something. Amen? Do something. Jesus had righteous anger. There's a story in the the New Testament where Jesus was... um, It was the Sabbath. It was a Sunday. And the, the Jewish law said that you couldn't work on Sunday and... And so Jesus was in the sanctuary or the tabernacle and he was, he was preaching and, and he was teaching. And then afterwards he came across this guy who had a messed up hand. And the Bible says the religious leaders were watching to see if Jesus was going to heal him 
on the Sabbath because that's a no-no. That's the law, right? So we pick it up in Mark chapter 3, verse 5. Listen, listen to this. Jesus looked around at them in anger and deeply distressed at their stubborn hearts. He said to the man, stretch out your hand. He stretched it out and his hand was completely restored. Now, see, you got to understand something that was very cool about Jesus is that Jesus could be in the same room with you and he knew what you was thinking. Man, the first time I'd have learned that, I'd be like, mm. I'd, I would have went back to Barney or something. I love you. I just <laughs> protect my, Jesus knows my thoughts. Oh, my goodness. Jesus, is, he knows what the religious leaders are up to. He knows what they're looking for. He knows what they're, they're trying to do. They're trying to get a hook in him. They're trying to accuse him of something. And Jesus is upset. In fact, the Bible says he's angry because they're following their rules instead of following their heart. They're obeying their man-made rules and not going after God's own heart. There was a man that had a crippled hand that needed to be healed. And Jesus was there with him. And Jesus is like, I'm not going to me on my pass you on by. I'm going to do something about this. I don't care if it's the Sabbath. I don't care about your laws and your religion. I'm going to do what's burning in my heart. And so the Bible says Jesus looked around in anger and distress. And I could just see it. Jesus goes, stretch out your hand. And the guy stretches out his hand, and what used to be crippled is now whole. And the guy's hand is restored. You see, righteous anger doesn't let a school board tell you to take prayer out of school. I got an aunt that as soon as they said that, she prayed even more. I went to school one day, she's laying hands on them poor little kids. Praying over them every day, loving on them, preaching to them. She didn't let no man-made rules hold her back. There was something burning in her heart. She had a righteous anger. I don't care what your rules say. I know what's burning in my heart. Are you seeing what I'm saying? What's burning in your heart? Because God created your heart to be on fire. Not to be out. What is it? It's not complicated, y'all. It's really not. It's not even a deep mystery. Just whatever stirs in your heart, whatever injustice burns on you a little bit, you go, you know what? That's burning in my heart. Maybe God called me to that. There was a season where God called me to men and there's just the, 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 it just burned in me that men wouldn't rise up and lead their families. And I went on this charge and, and I started discipling guys one-on-one. I started meeting with them, had men's life groups, and I went after it. Because it was burning in my heart. I used to weep over men. Don't take that the wrong way. But what is God burning in your heart this morning? What is it that he's, he wants to so stir up? What are you afraid of? I had an old man tell me one time, he said, son, it's better to make a mistake doing something than to make a mistake doing nothing. Come on, that's good preaching right there. I'd rather make a mistake trying to give somebody life than make a mistake by worrying about the rules. We're living in days and times right now where the world needs the local church. The local church is the hope of the world. By the way, you're the local church. 
you are the local church. It's not the building. It's the church. It's the people. It's who you are. The, the world needs you. They need you to be on fire. There's a generation coming after the millennials that need you to be on fire. So where do you find yourself in this message? I'm done. Where do you find yourself? Are you struggling with some sinful anger? Are you a spewer? Maybe you're a steward and you've just been suppressing all this anger for all this time. Can I tell you, either way, God wants to help you. God wants to lift that burden off of you. He wants to, he wants to walk this thing out with you. Can I tell you that this morning? That he loves you and he cares for you? The Bible says in Second Peter that, that cast your cares upon me because I care for you. In other words, he doesn't want you to continue to walk around with this. So I don't know where you find yourself this morning. Come on, Steve. But I want you to deal with it today. Can we just take a moment real quick and just deal with this?